escalates quickly and all of are separating the dogs because they're fighting with each other. So I look at that and I go, how do I address that specific situation? All right, guys, welcome back. We're gonna we're recording an episode here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull one here that I just got off of um, Instagram. There's a question. It's kind of a long one, so I literally just read it um, through. I'm gonna read it again because I need to just for my own mind. But we, it's regarding. It's kind of a piggyback off of another podcast. It sounds like we did one. Well, let me read it to you. She says, "Hey, Jeremy, I apologize for the long message I'm about to send, and it was a pretty long one." says, I just listened to your podcast about two dogs fighting each other from July 7-19. I just wanted to touch base with you and see if you recommend the same thing for my situation. I have two females. One is a 12-year-old pit named Pua, and the other is an 11-month-old mix named Gia. So this, the hardest part for me with, with reading this all was keeping Pua and Gia separated. So Gia is the pup. Pua is the old one. So Pua has been the alpha and Gia has been submissive. Gia came out of her first heat cycle about a month ago, has not been pushing and has been backing, not been backing down to Pua as much. She's also in a false pregnancy and we're scheduled to get her fixed in January. The first aggressive situation when was when I was dishing up their food. I thought they were separated enough, but Pua growled and got defensive stance towards Gia and they started to fight. Gia is the puppy. I now keep them away, separated from the food area, and that's been fine. They aren't food aggressive when they are eating, like trying to steal each other's food. If Pua leaves food in her bowl, Gia won't touch it. However, there have now been times when they're playing or they lock eyes and go after each other. All has happened inside. Pua's teeth are basically nubs at this point, does no damage. Gia has very strong teeth and can do damage. The issue is once they start to fight, Gia does not snap out of it quickly. At this point, it doesn't feel like Gia is doing this as a show of being alpha because she doesn't stop. She does feel remorse afterwards and checks on Pua. Today it happened, and I think it was a buildup of energy between the two. Excitement that we were packing for a trip, and we hadn't exercised them yet. Gia is still submissive in many other ways. If we play fetch and Pua takes her ball, she drops her head and lets her do it. We've taken her to a brewery without Pua. It's also a dog park with behavioralists overseeing the activity, and she's submissive to the other dogs. She's always wanted Pua to play with her, but it's hit or miss if she actually will. Now we don't even get the, give them the chance. I plan on continuing to keep them separated during the times I know are problematic, increasing their exercise, especially Gia, find ways to socialize Gia without Pua, but is there anything else I can do? I'm hoping it gets better when Gia gets fixed. Now, I will say this, so Sarah sent me this. Sarah, I think you're right on with all of those. those are, as I'm reading through this, those are some of the things that come to my mind. And when you said that the situation happened um, you think it was a buildup of excitement between the two. They were excited you were packing for a trip. You hadn't exercised them yet. Yeah, probably like a lot of things going on at that moment in that environment and it boiled over and they they took their excitement out or they, they burned energy the wrong way. So I think one of the things is, you know, you're, one of them is 11 months old. One of them is 12 years old. So there is going to be like just natural establishment of leader follower type stuff. I also think it's quite natural for an 11 month old as it gets older to potentially challenge, 
Like, and Pua, the 12-year-old, may or may not appreciate that. And depending on where that 12-year-old is, it may decide it wants to stand up for itself. It may decide, no, I'm not quite ready to give you the reins to this. I'm not quite ready to um, let you become a leader. Now, the I think the idea of it with heat cycles and all that stuff, that's, uh, yes, is, is it connected to it? Probably. Not necessarily the heat cycle part, but just from like a maturity standpoint, like physically and mentally, the dog is aging and growing up. And that I think is natural. So what I do think is, you know, feeding times is usually, vol- can be, if you got a dog that's volatile about stuff, feeding times usually can be it. Uh, a lot of times that's where you see that those things happen because I do think it becomes a very, it can be for some dogs, a very possessive thing. And it's also a very valuable tool, feeding times, to be used properly to establish leadership. When I say leadership, I don't mean between the dogs. I mean between us and the dogs. So I do think that you can use feeding times by mixing up and varying who gets fed first. I think it's a real clear sign to everybody that A, you are the leader and everyone else around you should be doing, can and should be doing the same thing. They're leaders as well. And I think it keeps them honest too. If you, like with our dogs, we'll feed the older dogs usually first and let a puppy watch. I feel like they've earned it. So, but at the, at sometimes I'll just flip that thing right over on its head and I'll go, okay, now you old dogs watch because you're used to and expecting to eat first. You watch and let this puppy eat first. And I let the puppy realize, boy, keep doing what I'm doing and I get rewarded as well. So I keep them in balance that way. So I do think that sequence of feeding, I think sometimes you can feed them together. If you do that, I think you put them at a distance, you know, create, create setups that help you find success. And then as things get good, you can slowly move things closer and closer and closer physically. And also that's like, from a standpoint of like symbolic, like you can move things closer and closer and closer together as well. And I, I, I think you're right on. I think that's exactly what I would do. I do think that exercise part, you know, in you be that, this is a really good example of, you know, I don't know that I always have like a black and white answer of like, do this, do that, do this, do that. It'll work. I think there's lots of things here. And I think you are right on track with a lot of it. And so I think you, by you recognizing these things, the, one of the biggest takeaways of this podcast or things for people to recognize is how important it is for you as the handlers to understand, assess, and, and respond and react to situations based on these clues, based on you being able to read, look, there are certain situations where this happens. There are a lot of situations where this doesn't happen. So where do I need to work on it? In those situations that it happens. I don't think we turn our, you know, turn our eyes to it and pretend we don't see it because that doesn't fix it. I don't think you can sweep it under the rug. But I think what, what you've got is, you know, the next time you are in that situation where you go, we're packing for a trip, they're built up with a lot of energy and they haven't exercised much, recognize it going into it and go, we may be running into an issue here. So what am I going to do? Instead of having these dogs, like if they tangled with each other at that point when all that stuff was going on, 
this is hypothetical and this is just what I'm envisioning. You guys are getting your stuff together. You guys are packing and loading and doing this. The dogs are probably excited, running around a little bit, maybe trying to get in and out of the car. Maybe they're going in and out of the garage, in and out of the house. They're moving around freely. And so one dog pisses the other dog off by doing something because they just can't help but get into trouble at this point. And then it escalates quickly and now we're separating the dogs because they're fighting with each other. So I look at that and I go, how do I address that specific situation? Okay, we're going to be packing. It's going to be a little hectic. The dogs have not exercised. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Gia and Gia, you're going to go on place. So now Gia has got to go on her bed. And Gia is probably the one that instigated that. She probably started that little flare up based on what I'm reading here. So Gia, you go on place. Pua, you can come in and out with me and you're older and you're a little more mature and you've seen this game before and you can walk back and forth with us. And now what you've done is you've separated Gia from the flow of traffic. You moved her off into the garage or the yard or the living room or wherever where it's she can watch everything that's going on, but that level of control by that by putting her on place, by having her on her bed or her cot or whatever it is you use for place, that makes it so that the likelihood that they tangle is a lot less. And then you go, let's get through that. And then let's realize now we're going to jump in the car and go for a long ride. So Gia, come here and you bring her over to you and you put her on a lead and you walk her around the block. And she gets a nice, a nice opportunity to work on her heel at 11 months old but she gets to focus and think about her positioning and she gets a little bit of an energy burn off. And now you load her up into the car and you go, now Gia got a little bit released mentally and physically. And Pua, you're cool, you're old, you lay down and off we go, we're on our trip. Now, it sounds like when you go to the brewery, when you go to dog parks, when you go to these different places, Gia might be the one that's a little bit more excitable because of her youth and her energy levels and all that stuff, but she's naturally submissive. You know that, you recognize it, you see her body language. So you continue at an 11-month-old with the 11-month-old dog to expose her to stuff like that. And I, I just think you're right on track with it. I don't think there is a magic button or a magic pill or a magic thing that you can say, this will fix this problem. I think you got to continue to look at it as you're, you've got one on the tail end aging and you've got one that's on the very beginning and just coming into their own. And so you're at two totally different spots and that relationship within those two dogs at some point might flip. Now, I, I look at our pack and I go... I, we've got four. We've got four of them here with with Callie, who's not our dog, but fits into our pack pretty well. And usually, we have one or two of, of our clients' dogs with us. But our three that are ours that we've had now for years and years and years is there a you know is there a real level of like pack leadership dominance with them? I don't know that there is. They're all pretty equal. I'm sure they have it established, but it's not like it's a night. It's not like it's a black and white issue with them. Um, I think it's intentional. I think it's building. So I don't recommend having a pack and looking to try to create distinct differences as far as hierarchy or totem pole. Instead, I'd like to build confidence in all of them because I think confidence is what allows dogs to perform in a real desirable way. I don't think they're, I don't think a dog gives you his best 
or really enjoys life that much when they cower in fear because they're they know that they're not the dominant one they know they're going to get dominated by everybody and everything around them i don't like the gladiator mentality when it comes to a dog i also don't like the gladiator mentality of one dog over another because I think all it does is pump the ego up of the one that's the dominant one that all of a sudden maybe they bite off a little more than they can chew and they run into another one of them down the road. And I don't like that. So sometimes the guy that the guy or girl, the dog that's, you know, really puffing its chest out and thinking it's a real thing needs to get the stool kicked out from under it occasionally and brought back down. That dog that can't look at you without peeing, can't look at you in the eyes. I mean, it just scared 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 that one needs the opposite that one doesn't need hardly any stools kicked out instead it needs a lot of air blown into it it needs to start understanding like you're really good that one needs a lot of compliments that one needs to be told how pretty they are that one needs to be how told how smart they are that one needs to you gotta you gotta get that one's self-esteem up so i think that there's you know i'm talking like they're human beings i think there's a lot of parallels when it comes to confidence in people you know you're walking down the road and you're not feeling real good about yourself and someone looks at you and goes i like your shirt oh that's nice you got nice shoes on today man i really like those oh your hair looks good all of a sudden you go you just feel so much different about yourself i have to tell ben that every morning i said man your hair looks really good today uh i mean those are things that carry someone through their it can carry someone through their days especially when they're struggling with these dogs i don't want to have to have ride an emotional roller coaster with them i prefer to try to get them somewhere in the middle all the time it's a lot easier so that's a that's a micro explanation for a macro issue i want to do that all the time and so the best way to do that is again getting somewhere in the middle and trying to stay as close to the middle as possible, which means don't don't go to one extreme or the other. And so I think that that is that is the approach that I would take with these two dogs. I wouldn't create like major, um, I wouldn't cater to major differences in how I address and how I handle and how I treat each dog and how I set up in scenarios. Instead, I'd say you're good at this and you're bad at that. I need to work on the stuff that you're bad at and the stuff you're good at. Maybe you think you're too good at it. And so we got to make sure that we, you understand that eh, you're not that great. You got to come down from your little pedestal. And so with Pua and Gia, you've got dogs that had an establishment and an understanding, and now it's starting to change. And so as it changes, you're jumping on it quickly, which is good. You're being proactive about it. But I think you're, you are on track with what you need to do. It just needs to be done with a lot of consistency like it needs to be very purposeful everything you do has purpose and so you got to pack you and whoever else is going your husband or boyfriend or whatever you're doing okay here's the plan we're going to pack these dogs are going to need to do this this and this here's the dinner plan we're feeding the dogs in the morning and we're feeding the dogs in the evening this is what we'll do and And then they get real good at that. And then you go, okay, now we're going to change it. So next time you pack or next time you get ready to go to the gym or whatever it is, reverse it. Tell Pua, you got to go sit on your bed. Gia, you earned it. You did really nice yesterday. Thanks for not fighting with Pua. Now you get to move around with me. Maybe it's both dogs go on place for a day. And then eventually we get past some of this stuff. We get some of these things work themselves out over time. 
with the help of your influence. And then you're back to like the idea of, well, I don't I'm, they're not going to fight. I have a lot of confidence in that. Right now you're going, I really have to be on point and pay attention because they're going to fight. You're, you're real in tune with that. And eventually you'll start to get to the point where the confidence goes, I don't think we're going to have an issue. And so that becomes normal. So I hope that helps. Um, Sarah, I'm going to send you a message and let you know that we recorded this one. Ben will probably have this out um, real quickly. Uh, thank you for you guys for for listening. Thank you guys for sending in questions. Um, we we really appreciate it. Uh, this podcast is something that we're gonna we're we're continuing to work on growing and trying to improve. And one of the best ways that we can do it is if you would do us the favor of leaving us a review. So if you're listening on Apple, if you're listening on um, I'm going to challenge the Apple people because that's the one that I l- listen to my stuff on and that's the one that I look at ours on. I, I don't even have the other apps to look at. But um, if you'd leave us a review, and that means either click the stars on it or if you would click the stars and leave a review, it helps us greatly with uh, getting having the ability to help more people. And so we appreciate your support greatly um, and ask that favor. That's it. We got another podcast in. We're going to be continue recording these. We're going to record a few. I think we're going we're going out of town here um, shortly as the fall is here. So we'll, some of our trips will be coming. Um, but we're bringing all the gear with, and we'll be recording on the go. It'll give you another perspective, another look into what we do with our dogs and why we do it, um, and hopefully it brings some value. So thank you guys. Appreciate the support. <music>